Hello and welcome to another Q&A episode of the ESG Fitness Podcast. I have, as ever, my lovely co-host, Andy. How are you, Andy? I'm good. How about yourself? Well, you know. Still broken. Still broken. I actually had, I hadn't told you this before we came on, actually, but I stopped in Poundland, okay, to buy myself a bottle of Pepsi Max. And I was like halfway around Poundland and then suddenly I was like, I can't move. Like literally, like my legs just like seized up. I was like, I can't move. So I stood there, like just stood in the aisle in Poundland for a good like, I mean, it's probably only about 30 seconds, but I was like, oh my God. Felt like a lifetime. This is what it's come to. Don't You don't want to get stuck in Poundland. I know. That's, it's one of those places that at times that place can be like, it's like a zoo. It's great. I love going to the Poundland and Home Bargains, though. It's great fun. You've got them right next to the... I know. Go and get the bargains. All the bargains of the day. Yeah. Dream. It's also, oh, oh. you know, in Dundee as well. That was was a scary moment for me. I like to be mobile while in Poundland, just in case <laughs> I need to react to any situations that occur. Make, make a quick exit. Yeah. Anyhow. That's, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Then I had to voice note Andy and be like, I can see my flat. And I can see that it's probably a two-minute walk away, but it's probably going to take me ten minutes to get back. It, it was like a David Attenborough special. I was expecting to hear about penguins and seals and the death of penguin, penguin, um, baby penguins. I was like, I was, I was, it was, it was emotional. Yeah, it was a real trial for me. But do you know what, guys? With your support, I've made it here, and I'm just really proud of myself. And I'd like to thank everyone who's supported me throughout this journey. And it just wouldn't have been possible without you. So, thank you. Apart from your back, it can go screw itself. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Anyway, so <laughs> this weekend, I spent most of the weekend complaining about my back and doing check-ins, which was amazing. Like, some of the check-ins have been unbelievable this weekend. So, this was the first week of commit... Well, the, the second week of commit six, but the first check-ins. So, they've basically all gone really, really well really impressed with how people have started out and excited to see what's coming and it's also i always find it even more impressive at this time of year because a lot of people decide about now to think "Mm, i'll just wait till the new year to start something but actually the effort that people have put in and i know there's social events and things coming up but you're the you know if you i always think to myself like why put off until tomorrow what could be started today and actually, given how it's actually still what about two months, and we've got like two months left of the year. Yeah, yeah, about that, yeah. Yeah, like that's a lot. You can make a huge change in two months, so don't really see the point of putting it off. But anyway, I'm preaching to the converted here, but amazing work nonetheless. So, should we start with the first question? Yeah, let's go for it. This is from Stephen. So it's Jim Anxiety. He says. I'm terrified of going to the gym back home. I hate to think people are watching me and I feel awkward. I would rather go and cycle for eight hours in the wind and snow than go to the gym for half an hour. (laughs) I need to get over this. And I realise... Oh, no, wait. I think that's the end of the question. Yeah, I think gym anxiety is quite a big... It's quite a big thing for a lot of people. But I think we're, we're now past that point of having to be worried about going to the gym. Um, the, the, there's going to be a tiny number of small-minded individuals that uh, that are just 
dickish when people come to join the gym, especially they don't know what they're doing. Like, it was a really great example when I first started going to the gym. It was something like when I was younger. I was never, I was never really that bored about it. But all the old boys, like all the old school bodybuilders and stuff in the gym that I trained at when I was like 11, 12, they all helped you. So, you know, they may look big and scary, but actually a lot of them are there just to give you advice. And some of the advice is a bit more interesting than others, to be yeah. fair. But, um, you know, they all, they're always there to make you feel welcome and to help you with pieces of kit and stuff. Um, it's, if, if it's an option, you know, maybe try another gym. If there's not that option, the best thing I would say is, is get a stick, a stick a baseball cap on, stick your headphones on, ignore everybody else. You know, wear a balaclava. No, I'm joking. You do make good <laughs> points. Like even, I think what's weird about the gym environment is you're not going to sit there, especially if you're training on your own, like smiling. So you always yep. have wrestling bitch face really so everyone looks quite intimidating but then when you speak to them they're really not and i remember this huge big guy walking up to me bald like shaved head tattoos everywhere and i was thinking oh like oh god why is he coming to speak to me this is really weird and then he was like glenn is now one of my best friends genuinely and is actually one of the softest guys i know he's so like caring and don't say that. You've given away all these secrets. This oh, is... he won't mind. He won't mind. But <laughs> my point is, he looks like a big, strong guy, kind of like really quite intimidating, but he would do anything for anyone. And in fact, if someone went and asked him during his session, oh, I don't know how to use this machine. Will you show me? Glenn would literally spend the rest of his session showing you the machines and getting you comfortable in the gym. Like he has all the time in the world for anyone. And you'll find that most people do. And most people want to help you. And actually, they'll probably get a bit of a kick out of you being like, oh, like you look like you know what you're doing in the gym. Would you mind just showing me how this machine works or what I should be doing? Yeah, I think it's, it's one of those ones to say, Ken, it's got, you don't, I would say that most people don't need to think like that anymore, have that worry about the gym. People are there generally to better themselves and they're there to help you. And, you know, there are lots of staff in most gyms nowadays that are there to help you as well. So, yeah, I think it's 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 getting over that initial fear of set, setting foot in the gym. And unfortunately, that's the, the only thing that it, that's down to you to take the first step. Yeah. So, it's as you say, as you exactly said, you know, when you train, you have resting bitch face on. It's simple as that. It's, you know, you, you're, I'm, when I'm training, because I've trained by myself yesterday, um, I'm there and I'll look in the gym and I'm like, Christ, you've got bit of a face on but it's because i'm there i'm I've, my intent is to go and lift lift weights but if someone was to come in and beast speak, mode yeah well, nah, hashtag beast mode um but no nah, but oh, can i get a spot i'm like it's getting over that initial thought of oh everybody's watching me but actually sometimes people are watching you but sometimes it's because they're they're wondering what it is you're doing and then they're like oh i wonder if i could do that have so you ever actually, considered that actually they just fancy you? Hmm? Maybe everyone's staring at you because you're a hot piece of ass and everyone's like, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe for you, yeah, but a face for, I've got a face for radio, which is what podcasting's great for. Um, so, yeah, so that's not for me. <laughs> no, I think the sort of take-home point from this is that realise that, A, everyone is there for a reason and you'll meet some of the nicest people in the gym, even if they look intimidating. And if if anyone, more to the point, if anyone is judging you, it says a hell of a lot more about them 
And to be honest, most of the sort of like knobby people in the gym are far too interested in themselves and looking at themselves in the mirror to actually even notice you. So I would not worry about it, honestly. Exactly. It's not. I would say it's it's for me since in the, te- the, the 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 hundreds of years I've been training, it's not been a massive issue. So it's. It, but I can understand that somebody has that problem straight off the bat. Yeah, I think for us, it's more about being empathetic because I've never hugely felt intimidated in in the gym. I can see why it would be an intimidating situation. And like, for example, I feel much more intimidated, or maybe not intimidated, but uncomfortable, like in a a club. So I just put myself, I'm like, right, well, how do I feel in a a situation I'm not comfortable in? Yeah. That must be how you feel in, in like the gym environment where I am very comfortable. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. Okay, we'll move on. This one is sleep. How do you get better sleep? So for me, simple sleep protocols. If like I, I have to be honest, I have no issues sleeping. I, as soon as my head hits the pillow, I'm out the window. I can watch television pretty much until I am ready to fall asleep. It doesn't bother me. I've never been had an issue with sleep. I'm just one of those awful people that just has never had a problem but i but people who i work with generally it's things like you know cutting back on sort of screen time before going to bed um you know things like maybe start reading some books you know things where hot bath that's like really simple things just to stop your to get your sort of stress levels down as well because i think a lot of people carry a lot of stress right up until bedtime rather than trying to sort of shift it before going to sleep because yeah and then you're just lying there overthinking so one thing i found that apart from all the usual things like turning your phone off making sure it's dark not eating too close to bedtime exercising during the day avoiding caffeine after you know in the afternoon sort of thing my main thing that i think helps people is to write a list so Mm. if there's anything you need to well basically to plan your next day Anything that you're like, oh, I'm worried I'm going to forget this or I know I need to do this tomorrow. Okay, write it down. And then you sort you know that it's written down. It's written down. It's going to be done. You're not going to forget it. You can go to sleep. Yeah. What I will say as well, and I'm, this is just a bit of a humble brag, but I am so good at sleeping at the moment. Like, it's one of the things I am best at. It's because not- it's the most comfortable <laughs> position for your back at the moment. Well, no. So not only that... But the other day, I was I flew down to London. So from my house, I have to walk to get the bus. And the bus is like an hour and 20 minutes. Got on the bus, bam, fell asleep. Woke up at the airport, which is like an hour and a half bus ride. Like literally as we would pull it into the airport. Then managed to get through security. I think without even really waking up. <laughs> slept for the whole flight. Like I didn't even get the bit where it's like, Cabin crew, 30 minutes to landing. Nothing. Woke up, we'd already landed. Like, what? And then I was thinking, right, I've had a fair amount of sleep now. Like, I'll definitely stay awake on the bus, on the train into London. Nope. Fell asleep. The whole way, woke up in Liverpool Street. Decent. Sleep level professional. I know. I was like, that's actually quite scary, but <laughs> I'm just going to roll with it. So, you didn't yeah. pick up with anybody drawing anything on your face or anything like that because you'd been um, sleeping? Not that I know of. Bonus, even better. Yeah. I do think 
now I'm thinking about it, might have had something to do with the amount of painkillers I'm on. Well, that might that would, be. That would probably help, yeah. Just, just a, a bit. A slight side effect, yeah. Could could have been the diazepam. <laughs> Not <laughs> to be confirmed. <laughs> um. Anyway, yes, I think all the basics, to be honest, this has gone over so frequently and a lot of them are really obvious. It doesn't mean they don't work, like the basics are the basics because they do work. So I think just finding what works for you, but it tends to be like actually trying to switch off. Yeah, I think a lot of people do have troubles with switching off. I I know that I know um, a lot of folk who have obviously got highly stressed office jobs find they take their work home with them, even if they mm. don't. So it's it's finding how do you switch off, whether that be watching some crappy guff on television like Buddy Made in Chelsea or something like that, or whether it be going out for get some steps in. You know, whatever it is, find what works for you, how you switch your head off and and roll with it is probably the best way. Maybe you want to listen to our podcast, although that'll probably excite you so much. Exactly. Straight to the gym at half past ten at night, pumping iron. Or imagine like the weird dreams you'd have about, I don't know. Oh, do we want to talk about, before we move on to the next question, that really good Daily Mail article? Oh, so yeah, Daily Mail article today. Um, give me two seconds. I'm going to bring so, it up. Okay, just I'll I'll tell- read out the key points, and then you can um, you can just tell me your thoughts. Right. So basically, a, a personal trainer from Australia has said that a low carb diet and walking is what gives you slim thighs, and the Sydney based expert. Can, can we use can we use that term loosely because she's not a, i was about to swear there hey, she's not an expert if the daily mail says it it's it's the, the truth nothing but <laughs> so this expert said that squats and targeted leg work like lunges bulk you up and instead rachel said that you should aim for um walking 10 kilometers a day and having no processed foods and having no carbs as well. That was no the... carbs, no processed foods. That's how you get your thigh gap. Yes. So, I, some this this article is probably the biggest pile of hot pony I've read in a long time. A and pony. The sad, a pony and an absolute horseshit. Um. So another way, like the sad thing is, is that like you know people like I, I put this up on my Instagram today. People like yourself. Uh, as I was, they tagged yourself, Shona, and I tagged Chloe as well. Um, females who are trying to dispel the myth of, like you know, women women having less knowledge. You know, you guys are top class fitness professionals, and then you have some helmet like this who comes in and pretty much rinses everything you've done yep. because she's on the Daily Mail. But at the same point, you don't like look at the Daily Mail or Netflix or Amazon for your health and nutrition documentaries or information but you'd you'd hope that you don't and it's so anyone within fitness and it's sort of why i've not bothered covering it partly because i hate when everyone posts the exact same article on the same day and is like ripping into it like i know it should be debunked but it just gets a bit tiresome but also like anyone within fitness and basically my audience know this so why am i really yeah that's it Whereas someone actually like Chloe's audience, who some of them are a lot more lay, I would say, like maybe not in the fitness industry. Yeah. Someone asked me this the other day, what do I think about celebrities who give out fitness advice? 
Now, I think they wanted me to sort of say, oh my God, it's ridiculous, they don't know anything. But if the advice is good, that's the best thing ever. Like, I wish I had the kind of following that could influence so many people. Like, you're looking at someone who, let's say some girl from Maiden Chelsea who's got like a million followers and she puts out some good advice about health and fitness. That's amazing. That's brilliant. No, you're, you're totally right though. It's like, it's the whole... It's the whole thing about destroying, trying to destroy people. Like, you know, if a celebrity who has 2 million, 3 million followers starts putting out good advice, you can't knock that because they're putting out good advice. It's when they start trying to sell weight loss gummies or detox shakes or some, you know, camel shit that's going to make you make you lose 60 pounds in two days. You know, it's just stuff like that. That's the stuff that's the most frustrating. You know, and it must be, it's, you know, it's tough enough trying to get the, the message out when you, it's tough enough trying to get the message out without then having to go and deal with stuff like that. But, you know, this article was hilarious. It's, the, I'll quote this one. The PT said that if you want to lose weight, you should also eat at a slight 500 calories. 500 calories isn't a slight calorie deficit. That's savaging your diet beyond belief. That's not, that's, that's just like, that could potentially be like half of someone's daily intake. So, you know, it's some of the articles like this, you've got to take with a pinch of salt. And as you, as you said, people who follow you generally know their stuff. So they'll know that it's guff, but you just hope that they can then transfer that out to people that they know. Oh, did you see this article? Yeah, it's rubbish. So, yeah. Yeah, and I guess... I guess the issue is, like, people just see that as, like, okay, well, she actually, she's managed to get a thigh gap by doing that. Cool. Yes, that, like, what she's saying will work, but it's not the way to do it, if that makes sense. Like, what she's saying isn't true, but it will work. And I think because of that, you just attribute what she's doing to the results. Like, is that the best way to do it? Absolutely not. Do you have to go low carb? No. Do you have to stop squats? I would not suggest it. You know, all these things. But, yeah, well, I don't imagine that the Daily Mail are going to change much. Doubtful, doubtful. It it does. Sometimes I think, though, surely they're doing this. Like, as that's how they sell it. Because people are like, oh, my God, look, this is ridiculous. Like, how much has that been shared already within the fitness industry? Oh, think of, think well, Game Changers, for instance. Think of the free advertising that they've had on Game Changers by every single person debunking it. Like, well, obviously, I I pinged you that one this morning, but that was it was more of a funny one. But the number of people that have been doing retorts to it just gives it airtime. So it's the same as this. eh? As soon as you start giving things airtime, people start seeing it. So, well, this brings us on to our next question, which is from Heather, and it's about protein on a vegan diet. So I'll be honest, I'm, I'm not vegan. And although I know how to get protein in, I'm probably not the best person to ask because, well, mainly I think it is, a lot of it is down to sort of experience, like what actually tastes nice. It's easy for me to be like, have some tofu, have some pulses and legumes. And I'm like, do these, like, do they, do obviously they I have tried all of these foods. I'm not like, what is a pulse? I've had, <laughs> Who honest, is a I've... legume? I've never tried tofu because have you not? Looked, I actually quite like it. See, I just it it, it just looks like it, for me. I just it looks horrific. It's like basically it looks like a block of plasticine. 
Well, yeah, that's what it... Essentially, to me, it tastes like nothing. So whatever you spice it with or cook it with, that's what, what it tastes like. like. So it's yeah. actually all right because there's nothing... <laughs> if I spiced it in the steak, does that count? <laughs> yeah, like, well, do you know what? I put Cajun spice on it. Uh, okay. So it's kind of like chicken, but it's yeah. not. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess your usual protein sources for vegans would be things like pulses, grains, legumes, tofu, tofu, uh, soy. I mean, yeah, soy. You could say other things like nuts, vegetables, because they have protein in. But, but, but. they're not necessarily a source of, well, they are a source of protein, but like That's nuts are primarily reason. fat. And if you're trying to get in high amount of protein from nuts, you're going to be way over your calories. Yeah. Um, I feel Just like we should give like... a shout out to, I, I never know how to say this, quinoa. Ooh. But I like to say quinoa. Quinoa. Hello, have you got any quinoa? Quinoa, that's what we say in Scotland, like I'm going quinoa. vegan. <laughs> <laughs> vegan um, quinoa. Vegan. I, I literally have no idea how to say it, to be fair, so. Um, quinoa, or quinoa. I'm not sure, has, it actually does have a full amino acid spectrum, which is the only vegetarian source of protein which does. Hey, there's a little fun fact for you. Yeah, so that's vaguely interesting. But what you can do with anything else is just have a mix of things. So you might have like some some tofu, but also some legumes and lentils in there. So you're sort of, but if you're getting this mix, then you're going to get a mix of amino acids, which means hopefully you'll have all the amino acids that you need to build muscle. So it is harder to get protein in full show. But you've just got to go, you've got to think outside the box and you just need to do a bit more brain work with it. That's the problem, isn't yeah. it? I, I think it's because there's less lean protein sources. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, and other things that you probably want to look out for is making sure you get in enough omega-3. So if you're going vegan and you don't want to take fish oils or eat fish, then things like flax seeds, walnuts, chai seeds, um, that that kind of thing has omega-3 in it. Um, you'll likely be deficient in B12, so I would recommend supplementing with B12. Iron, again, although you can get iron from legumes and vegetables and nuts and especially green vegetables it's but not... again you've got to take a lot to get to that point don't yeah you? and it's not absorbed as well as in um animal sources so again you probably want to supplement with that um it's quite an interesting yeah. one actually because of the something that shona actually showed it in fact my other half laura as well and they they well, obviously neither of them do dairy um, Laura doesn't do dairy because it doesn't agree with her. She's got she's sort of lactose intolerant, and she was getting after we came back from holiday, she was getting like little white pigmentation marks on her stomach and her arms and stuff. And Shona actually it was actually Shona had been to see the doctor about this, and it was the reason being is because because people are cutting out dairy, they're not getting enough calcium in. So oh, yeah. the pigmentation is to do with having a lack of calcium. Yeah, so like you in your fingernails as well. Yeah, that's it. So I find that I find that quite interesting. I I love milk, so like I've I I drink milk by the gallon, but it's go so, mad. So, exactly, go mad. 
So, but um, yeah, so but that was quite an interesting one that I that I learned I think about maybe three or four weeks ago from Shona. Yeah, it is interesting because like I didn't know this, but I think something ridiculous like eighty percent of the world is lactose intolerant. Oh really? Wow. Yeah, and it's actually only Europe that's really not, well, and America I guess, but it's because we domesticated cows first, whereas other places like China domesticated chickens first so they don't have the after childhood what does does chicken milk taste like ew (laughs) but after childhood so they never had milk obviously after childhood and they don't um they don't have the enzymes to break down they don't have as much lactase which i thought was really interesting because i always thought it was quite rare to be lactose intolerant but actually yeah i would have thought that as well it's not but it's similar to the whole gluten intolerance thing with actually celiacs such a small percentage of the world population yeah and, but obviously there you go but it's not every is every day is a school day every day is a school day on this podcast yes Okay, normally a school day is in you say some weird Scottish thing and everyone's like, what the hell does that mean? So I need to work this one out for today then. Yeah. <laughs> okay, next question. What is better, progressive overload as in more volume each week or time under tension as in slower, more controlled reps? Uh, for building muscle, I think we covered this, was it two or three podcasts ago? It's progressive overload by adding on adding weight and progressing that way so whether that be you know newbie gains generally means that you'll be able to put the weight up every week because your technique gets better your control of the weight gets better so you can push your weight every week but when you start to things start to slow down it might be that you're adding increasing a weight every two weeks so yeah that's for progressive overload definitely adding adding load um, to increase your volume of a session yeah there's that's a sort of um, no brainer, I'd say. Yeah. And actually, there are some negatives to doing <laughs> negatives. No, there are negatives to doing like um, excessive eccentric work as well, just because you end up potentially reducing the volume and maybe you use lighter weights or you have so much DOMS that you can't lift as heavy later in the week, so your total volume is going down. So there are there is a balance to be had, and I think using both tools is a, is a generally a good idea, but definitely when it comes to hypertrophy the main driver is going to be your overall volume for the week and then progressing that with overload okay so next question which i think we should actually do a full podcast on but it's from carolina and it's just about body image and how to sort of get past that and how much of a like mind game that can be so what what are your sort of tips about body image so the first one I would always say is stop comparing yourself to everybody that you see on your social media. Social media has got some fantastic, uh, a fantastic um, avenue for lots of things, but it's also something that's, for me, the the increase with the the fact that social media has bloomed so much because you're seeing people that are posting up pictures of their abs and you know everybody's as harsh as it sounds. You see, when you go into a gym, 20% of the people in the gym are there to take selfies. They're not there to train. And it's, you know, that's that's all to do with the whole body image thing. So, one, stop comparing yourself to other people. 
we're all we're there's not two of us who are identical so you're never going to have the same size of arms as the person that you're um the person that you're aspiring to be like you know you're never going to have the same shape of abs because obviously we've covered that one with a couple ago about genetic how your abs sit etc so yeah i think it's for me don't compare yourself to anybody else and be just don't don't stress don't stress about this kind of stuff i think you know similarly to the, the chat we had last week about the you know people looking at folk on social media eating four thousand calorie cheat meals you know it's why 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 let that why let yourself get hung up on it it's not it's nothing that's it's not much you can do with it so yeah and i mean i would reiterate that except <clears throat> except that also and it's so hard to do and i know that you're you're saying it but like just saying don't stress like of course that's what we want you to do but i do yeah. realize as well that that's a really hard thing to do and i feel a lot of pressure to stay in shape like being not just being female in the fitness industry i just mean being anyone in the fitness industry really and i know that this individual is in the fitness industry as well so you do feel that sort of pressure on yourself to stay in shape to look in shape to even now i feel like a look i mean much less so than I would have a couple of years ago but not being able to train <clears throat> by the way I'm not crying or anything I'm just clearing my throat <laughs> I think my voice just, get, is... just getting all emotional I'm so emotional <laughs> um but yeah not being able to train and like I am a bit softer I have put on a little bit of weight and like I'm I am actually like fine with that at the moment I probably wouldn't have been a couple of years ago and it would have really freaked me out and I I think part of it is actually growing up and realizing that your self-worth is so much more than how you look. And most women in fitness, actually, I'm not even gonna say women, just most people in fitness, you sort of come at it and you're quite obsessive with the way you look and then you grow and you get past that. And honestly, I don't know a way of, apart from just, I guess, being a, a bit of an example and speaking about it and, it's my point is it's something that most people just have to go through i think i think you've hit the nail on the head there like that's probably most succinct way of putting it is the fact that you grow up yeah like it's like worrying about what you look like i'm like i'm 30 38 next year you know what i'm 38 next year i can worry about what i look like but at the same point i know that i'm probably in the top 20 percent of what 38 year olds look like like physique wise so it's something that really doesn't bore me but even then do you know what who bloody who cares mm. like as far as i can, i don't give a monkey's what somebody says unless it's laura's been like i'm currently putting a bit of size on and i'm getting told i'm chubby at home so that's a bit that's a bit of an emotional time for me <laughs> but uh, but no and in, in, in all honesty the t as soon as you realize that exactly what you said there your self-worth is not what you look like that's it clicks and yeah. it'll, you'll get to that point i could not give a monkey's what anybody says about me whether it be as a person what i look like it's you know what i'm too i'm fucking too old and too kind of bothered with that stuff anymore yeah so and as soon as you realize that actually what somebody thinks about you has got bugger all to for you to worry about just deal with it it's and it's tough to say that, but as you say, you kind of have to go through that and then realise that actually, do you know what? I don't give a monkeys anymore. I don't mm. care what anybody thinks. I'll do as long as my as long as as long as I'm my as long as my family are happy, 
as long as my friend, as long as I'm keeping my friends, you know, that's the the, the circle that that you have around you. That's all you need, you know. And what anybody thinks outside of that, I'm not really bothered about it. So yeah, hundred percent. And I would rather be known for putting out good information coaching my clients well having a good business having amazing friends being a supportive person to the people that i care about than having abs or looking a certain way and when you take a step back like you you realize that actually literally nobody gives a shit i've just sworn on the podcast again <laughs> i know but nobody literally apart from yourself <laughs> I'm just going to say it again slowly so everyone can hear. <clears throat> Apart from yourself, nobody cares what you look like. Nobody. Nobody in your... Like, I mean, maybe your partner. They need to be attracted to you. But not my point here. Like, people aren't friends with you because you have abs or because you've got big biceps. Or yeah, exactly. anything. They care about how funny you are, how caring you are, what kind of person you are, if you have in- interesting conversations, if you're enjoyable to be around mainly if you this is what i always try to do if i meet someone even if i'm just walking past them on the street and i have a two minute conversation with one of my friends that i know i want to leave them better than i found them in some way yeah so whether that just be like well have a nice day or whether it's something more profound like i've helped them with a business problem or i've made them feel good about themselves or they weren't feeling particularly good that day and we've spoken about things and they've got off their chest whatever it is like that's sort of my goal when i interact with people is I want you to leave me better than you found me, even if it's the tiniest thing, like a small compliment. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a, it's it's a very it's a very good way to think about it. Um, there's actually the book uh, uh, that's book, ethos behind the New Zealand rugby team. It's called Legacy. Um, that's actually one of their that's one of their um, things is leave theirs is leave the shirt in a better place than when you picked it up. So mm-hmm. it's very, you know, that's one of the few, I wouldn't even class it as a self-help book. Like, I'm not a massive fan of that kind of stuff. I think a lot of people use self-help books and then don't actually um, act oh on Oh my it. God. I know They're so re- many I, people that have read about 50 self-help books and I'm like, don't you see the problem here? Is that maybe uh, if you'd read one and actually implemented it, that might yeah, benefit Im- you. Implement it and action it. But like the, the All Blacks book Legacy, it's by, I think it's James Kerr. Um, is probably one of the most the probably one of the most poignant books I've read, and it's you know what it's stuff like things like going back to the the, the, the question like body image, body image for me doesn't mean that much. Like it's for me it's about it's about the people around me, the people that I care about, and the folk that are close to my friends and my family. If I am if I if you know as long as they understand me. As long as I'm not doing anything to offend them, I'm more than happy. That's that's pretty much what I what I want from it. Mm. So, and then I think it can it is a cycle though because if you didn't feel good in your own skin, you wouldn't be yeah. as loving a partner. You wouldn't be as confident as you are. You wouldn't be as yeah. generally happy as you are, and that passes on to everyone around you. So as much as I'm saying, you know, those aren't the things that matter. That actually, it does matter how you feel within yourself, and if you know, body image is part of that for you, then there, there is a sort of loop there, but it's probably it's you only, that needs to It's reframe. not the only thing that matters. Yeah. yeah no, no, I, no, I totally agree with that, yeah. Yeah, so I guess to round that up, it would be 
to try and start seeing yourself as more than how you look because that's how everyone else sees you. Yeah, exactly. All right, brilliant. Okay, so next question. Depending on your body type, i.e. ectomorph, endomorph, or mesomorph, is there a certain way you should be working out slash eating? Is there any truth in this? No. <laughs> that's, the, that's the plain and simple answer. That is harsh. Um, that was a huge, huge thing when I was doing my PT qualifications about setting up programs and nutrition plans towards your um, your the type of the type of the somatotype. Yeah. Uh, then the somatotype. So whether you're endomorph, ectomorph, or mesomorph, but it's all been debunked. Well, do you know who was quite big on that? There's been quite a lot of folk have been quite big on that. To yeah. Be fair. I'll just give you a little clue. Body type nutrition. Yes, mm. we know that one. That's how it all started, wasn't it? Well, I'm not going to say he started all of that, but no, 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 but that's that's obviously that was the reason that that the company was called that is because yeah, that's yeah, yeah, exactly. So it was it was sort of thought that you needed to figure out which body type you were, and then you could design your nutrition and exercise on that. And that's not the case. And actually, nobody fits exactly into ectomorph, endomorph, or mesomorph. Like you're on a spectrum. And I guess to anyone who's never heard these words before ectomorph is like your typically skinny person mesomorph would be like someone who's quite muscular and endomorph is like a someone who's overweight so obviously you can move within these and actually probably most people now would say i'm like closer to ectomorph but when i was rowing i was definitely mesomorph bordering on endomorph yeah so like you can move between these and the difference is what I eat, the type of training I do, my lifestyle, like it's not it's not written in stone for you and you can't move between those. Yeah, it's as you say, it's something that was very prevalent about ten to fifteen years ago that that's how everybody tried to set it up, but it's it's got to be fair, there's it's more intricate than that as far as I'm concerned. It's not about your body type, it's about how your body reacts to certain stimulus. It's about how it reacts to different patterns of nutrition or, you know, different timings of nutrition if you're working with athletes. You know, it's there's so much more than just how your body who your body shape is that suggests how you should train and how you should eat. Exact Mongo. Right. Last question, although it's a double question, is from Gemma. And she sent me this like in the middle of the night because she was that keen that she needed to get this question across. So, which by the way is absolutely fine to do because I don't have notifications on at night. If anyone just thinks, oh my God, I've got such a good question, I'll send it to Emma, but I'll wait till the morning and then you forget. It's fine, just message me whenever. You just won't get a reply. Okay, <laughs> so she says, I can't remember where I read or heard this, but is it true that if you take a break from a calorie deficit for a period of time and move towards maintenance in order to help slash reduce or prevent metabolic adaptations to reduce calories? If so, when slash how frequently do you recommend this? And for what period of time? I assume that having 1400 calories Monday to Saturday and then over 2000 calories on Sunday wouldn't work as technically on average, you would still be on a deficit in a deficit, sorry, based on 1,500 calories. Basically, it's a question on diet breaks. 
Yeah, so we covered this a couple of podcasts ago, but it's it's always a good one to come back to. So reason for behind diet breaks is to take yourself back up to obviously maintenance calories so that you can a lot of it's to do with like your hormones leptin and ghrelin about your hunger suppress your hunger suppressant and your hunger hormones so ones that make you hungry and ones that stop you from being hungry it's about realigning them to get them to come back so that you're not trying to gnaw your arm off and hungry 24/7 um diet breaks timing wise it's much easier i always find it's much easier when you're working with one to one clients it's about generally about how they feel so you know you as we said last the last podcast you're going to have to have a little bit of time where it's going to be uncomfortable because you've had your calories dropped you know it's going to, it's not going to be the the most the greatest of feelings because you're eating less but that's kind of where you need to be but it's about that finding that place where this has started to fall to bits that's when you push your diet break back in more for like things like your hormone levels but also for like your your mental stuff as well just getting your head back to being able to eat properly again or eat at a normal level again so yeah and i guess more so motivation like as you get leaner and you've been dieting for a long time having a bit of a break mentally gives you a bit more motivation to get going again i think one um I guess mistake people make with diet breaks is they're like okay I'm having a break from my diet like I'll just eat whatever I want for two weeks and then you just go backwards it's actually not that much more calories probably but looking at let's say you're in a 20% deficit and you're you know you're maybe only looking at adding in like just over 200 calories so it's not like you can just eat whatever you want it might just be an extra meal or bulking out a couple of your meals yeah um I would say in terms of length, if you're looking to get benefits of like physiological adaptations as in leptin levels, you're going to want to probably have a diet break of like two weeks. So yeah, you're right. One day on a Sunday isn't going to benefit. If you're looking for just sort of the psychological break, then actually, yeah, like having a day a week where you eat like a bit more calories and bring calories up to maintenance totally fine i mean jen you just won't be in as big a deficit that week or maybe you're at maintenance levels depending on how many calories that you eat so for the physiological adaptations you are probably going to need to have a diet break for a longer period of time psychological could be much shorter um i've done a post on this a while ago so i'll, I'll post it in the group in case anyone is interested in it because i also got another question about this um, and they would sort of basically asking, oh, I've read that you can um, reverse the, ne- the negative adaptations to dieting and things. And it's not exactly true. Like you, you're maybe reducing them and you're maybe sort of resetting some of these hormones, but you will adapt to dieting. Like if you're becoming a smaller person, your, your basal metabolic rate will be less. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's just the case. Like that will always be the case. There's nothing you A can do. to fix that. Yeah. Aside from not losing weight, there's nothing you can do to avoid that to some extent. So it's not that you can completely avoid these things, but you can um, reduce the effects of them. And you, you can reduce things like if you're bringing your leptin levels back up, that might reduce hunger slightly. It might increase your um, movement. So your knee might go up again. So little things like this can have an impact. And also I think, honestly, most of the time, the biggest benefit is psychological, which is absolutely fine. Well, there's no, there's no, that's, that's, it's just as valid, isn't it? 
And then the last question, which we both looked up, is quite interesting, actually. So yeah. anyway, basically, the last question is, um, this is a weird one. So when I work out or have finished a workout, I always get a runny nose. Is this a thing or is it just me? So we were looking this up and it's non-allergic rhinitis as seems to be, or was the thing that I was that I found on it. Um, so things like triggering rhinitis is it's a reaction to the body's immune system to an environmental trigger. So potentially your training uh, has has done it, but the most common triggers it's like an allergy related, like pollen, grasses, mold, etc. So yeah, it's. Uh, but no, I, I, I'm the same. I notice when I'm playing football or if I'm training and stuff like that, I, my nose runs a fair whack as well. Yeah, but do you think, so there's obviously like when it's cold, your nose runs. Yeah, cool. I also, I, I would also maybe think as well that things like pre-workouts, which have obviously got caffeine and certain other things in them. Have are... you been snorting your pre-workout again? No, I can't. I know at the moment I'm still choked up. <laughs> that's only that's only on leg day. Although today, oh, okay. Um, but yeah, but things like you know, take pre-workout. A lot of them are vasodilators, so they open up the uh, they open up. Um, yeah, but they, they open up blood vessels, not like snot glands. I know, but like blood vessels. But if if your blood vessels open up and you heat up, my nose is going to run a bit more as well. But also yeah, my nose, maybe. My nose gets itchy too, so. It's, yeah, uh, but that's the beta alanine, isn't it? The beta, the beta alanine. Oh, the... I can't do pre-workout. You get scratch. You end up with like scratchy eyeballs. You're like, yeah. I don't know. My eyeballs seem to have just grown fur on them. I can't understand this. I just really don't like feeling uncomfortable, and I think pre-workout makes me feel uncomfortable. Like my, like you're just a bit itchy and agitated, and I think for some people that's like, yeah, I need, to... like that gives them a bit of a pump. But I'm like, no, I like to be calm. Yeah, no, I'm, I, for me, actually, even that sort of, like, the higher stuff, like, I remember finding a pre-workout that, before it got taken off the shelves, had DMAA in it, which was, like, one molecule of being, like, amphetamine, and it was, like, even then, all that I found with that was, I was just super focused, it was like I had, like, a set of blinkers on, I couldn't see past my, I couldn't see either side of what was in front of me, it was quite strange, but. That's called uh, having a migraine. (laughs) <laughs> no, 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 basically sort of, my no, vision went all fu- fuzzy and no honestly i just it was like it was like being the terminator just zoning in it was it was good stuff but yeah it's um i've always it's one of these things i've always had is my, my nose ends up running from training etc and the cold and stuff mm. so it's because so it's so that big, was so that was an interesting one and i mean that's something we've learned today is yeah. that there's a sort of allergenic response to exercise potentially yeah so there you go very interesting do you have any scottish words for us today andy uh actually i did add an instinct my instagram rant earlier on and it, somebody's just somebody just messaged me actually on it and it, i think i must have used it i did in fact i did she messaged me and she was like uh ha huh. i went away and boil your head boil your head we boil your head. Chuck your head oh, in the pot. I thought you it's said bio, as yeah. in like you know, sick. Yeah, no, a wee bio, a wee bio. There's remember, Scott. We we change our words. We change your head. Stick your head in the pot and boil it. So okay. that was that one. 
I mean, the, the, the comment was, ha ha, oh, wait and boil your tea, love it. You're such a contrast to Emma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the contrast works well, though. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit of working class, what it's all about. Oh, it says Mr. Shalot. Which one's which? <laughs> yeah. It is Charlotte, so I don't... Right, I'm, I'm going to go and probably lie down for a while. Yeah, you're, you're looking rather uncomfortable at the moment. Yeah, um, but that was a lovely podcast. Thank you very much. And we shall do the same again next week. Although I'm just, I'm about to go to Loch Tay with the gals. And, the gals. Yeah, well, I'll actually hopefully see you for Christmas Market Fan on Friday. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see. Sounds good. Right, ta-ra. Toodaloo.